0: Of course, geeks.
1: What's the airport? Lisbon. Gimpo, right. Flight 87 to Gimpo. Oh, so I love that city. (laughs) It's one of those few cities where I, I can't wait to get back there. I can't wait. I just something has drawn me back. So I need to find an excuse in 2019 to get back to Seoul.
0: <laughs> Actually the, the reason we're doing it is a twofold. One is because I'm finally going to talk about that big flight I've done that includes landing in Seoul, not at Gimpo. And that comes to the second reason, which is it's almost to the day ten years ago I set foot for the first time in Seoul, and my first experience ever in an airport there was not in Xi'an, but was Gimpo, which is the uh-huh. other airport. So I found it was a, not a bad idea to talk about it today. Yes, we know, guys, we talked about Lisbon and Karachi and Hamburg and other airports. They're all coming. Yes. <laughs> we have more than almost 20 airports that I've marked down that we should cover, that we mentioned that we will be covering, and that we've been to recently that we haven't done yet. So, well, lots and lots of uh, airports. And you're going to one new as well. <laughs> we yes. We keep adding them. Yes, I am. Yeah, Mexico City. Flying today, right? Yep. So today is Monday, the 28th of January, but as you've heard in our last episode, which is already very successful, thank you guys, this will come probably out on February the 8th to allow for two weeks between the episodes and also to allow us to come back in front of our microphones to record another one. (laughs) Where will you be on February 8th? Will you be back in London by then? Uh, Probably. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I will be, yeah. Yeah, I'll be transferring from Sunnyvale to San Francisco, which is a huge haul, right? Yeah, that day. The <laughs> Although, can you, can, the traffic can you will
1: from... probably uh, warrant uh, you know a flight? Can you fly from San Jose Airport to? Um... You cannot, but it would be great if you could because the traffic is so bad that you can uh, probably get to LA on a flight by by
0: then. So, oh yeah. my God! Oh, well, well. So, let's start with what we ended with in the last episode. We're late because of you, you dumbass. (laughs) Yes,
1: this story... Are they talking to me? Uh, (laughs) No. This story that we ended on, which was breaking news, literally, as we ended the last episode, of this hijacking, which is obviously very serious business, but mercifully, unfortunately, this one ended... Without incident, the flight diverted. It was a drunk... It seems to be almost always drunk passengers these days, which I think is good, isn't it? Not legit. He
0: wanted to go somewhere, Afghanistan, maybe? I think so, yeah, yeah. The the flight left from Surgut, which is in Siberia, Siberia. to Moscow. The guy pretended he had a weapon and asked for the flight to be diverted to Afghanistan, which is insane.
1: Yeah, it is insane, and they diverted quickly, and he's going to spend the rest of his life in a gulag somewhere. <laughs> but all's well that ends well. I don't think anybody was was hurt or injured. Uh, no. You know, not at least not uh,
0: physically. So the guy didn't even have a weapon. It was just drunk. Oh my god! And, and uh, the quote I start with, which is not directed at you, Alex, obviously, was uh, the quote from one of the passengers because uh, somebody filmed. With his or her phone, when the police entered the aircraft and arrested the man, and the people were yelling at him, actually, <laughs>
1: yeah, and that was the quote that ended the article: "Was we're late because of you, you dumbass,"
0: which I think is just fantastic. <laughs> no EU compensation there. However, uh, on Instagram, Fly with Alexandra answered a question that I asked in our last episode, which is. Should I choose S7 or Aeroflot to go to Uh, Moscow? She says that Aeroflot has updated. It's a better quality. It is actually fine. Of course, that's the... A national carrier, if you want. She says that the S7 is a younger, less posh airline, but with its own style. In a nutshell, my impression is Aeroflot is kind of United style, while S7 is more like JetBlue or Virgin. That kind of settles it. It does settle it. I I, I would be very interested
1: either way, whichever airline you choose to hear how that goes and how you enjoy it and what your impressions are.
0: I've never flown on either of them. So if... I'm flying from London. I might choose one of these two. Obviously, as we all know, you and me sometimes have to have these strange routes and I'll end up flying some weird airline from Uzbekistan or something, right? That's (laughs) exciting, though. I think that that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Another comment on Instagram from uh, Number 9 legends N-O-9Legends. He really likes our show, great chit-chat. He understands that we have challenges finding the time to record yes you see we're trying we're even compensating for shows we might not be able to record otherwise uh, even if alex has to run through the airport just after this finishes yeah. <laughs> and uh he's doing the the layovers game just going backwards and listening to old shows yeah, yeah well thank you i don't know how i feel about that we always say that <laughs> Our oldest episodes do not have that kind of uh uh Polish. interaction. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. And he says that we are always in lounges, which is true. And he directs us to a video of a channel called Cara and Nate. I've never seen it. They talk about travel and lounges. And in this video that I'll put one day, if I ever have the time again, to put the notes on the website, uh some of the coolest lounges in the world, including the pier, which we both love and adore. It's probably our favorite to both of us. The Qantas first lounge in Sydney, which looks really, really nice. And the JAL first lounge in Tokyo. And yes, this is the one I've been to in December, which I'll finally talk about now. <laughs> so let's start with uh, where I started. I was supposed to fly from London to Incheon and then Tokyo. Then I receive a message. You remember, guys, I think I told the story that, well, Ethiopian, which is the flight I was supposed to take from Incheon to Tokyo, had changed the schedule, and suddenly I would have had only 45 minutes in Incheon to transfer. According to Star Alliance, it was not enough, so they rebooked me, and I had to go through Frankfurt, obviously.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh The universe is just messing with you at this
0: point. Yeah. Uh, so the bad thing is I missed the opportunity to fly as Jana three hundred and fifty because that's what they use on now from London to Incheon. The good thing is I had the opportunity to fly their three eighty from Frankfurt to Incheon. But first Frankfurt. You know what? The sixth or seventh time, to charm. You remember, guys, I kept going back. For the first time, it was a Sunday. I had a bridge. For the first time ever, I didn't have a bus. I had a bridge wow. at Frankfurt. And the airport, maybe because it was a Sunday, which I never usually do flying on weekends, was absolutely empty. It was so easy. And for the first time ever, I was like, okay, this is how it should be feeling like. Wow. It was nice. It was a Christmas period, because we're talking just before Christmas, obviously. At Heathrow, when I was boarding at security, and I don't know if you've seen that, Alex. There was special signs for Christmas about what you were able to take on board or not, like the Christmas crackers, for instance, yep. right? snow globes uh, they always cause a problem. So snow globes is exactly where I wanted to go to because they said, okay, snow globes up to 100 mil were accepted, obviously, and others. And one passenger on my flight was also having to fly somewhere outside of Frankfurt because we were basically tagging each other along by complete uh, coincidence. And when E was at the dreaded Frankfurt security, well, he smashed <gasps> snowball on the ground. There was water everywhere. <laughs> the poor oh, guy. Oh, no. How embarrassing. No. And also how disappointing if you've gone and you found this snowball yeah. love and... Oh. I felt so bad for him and everybody was kind of looking like so disappointed for him. Oh, well, that happens. So do not that, guys uh, bring a snow globes on. Have you ever traveled with a snow globe? I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then what we always say, I was at the Frankfurt lounge, the Senator Lounge, which because there was a flight from A about to depart was freaking amazing because every time there's a Japanese flight lounges up their game and clearly it was the case <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's what a, a what rule a... we should always fly when there's a Japanese, the Japanese flight, flight somewhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when the story I kept mentioning I think the last two episodes happened I was in that lounge and this about 50 year old British woman completely wasted in the lounge was talking in the fold so loud so no headphones or whatever On some kind of FaceTime, I guess, because she was looking at her phone. (laughs) She was like, I knocked myself out with champagne and whiskey. From Mexico, actually, where are you going to today? So she just had arrived from Mexico, and she was so wasted. Because everybody could overhear our discussion, she was saying that... I forgot my shoes and my coat in the Mexico lounge. I only have flip-flops and the Lufthansa blankets. So she was so wasted from the start that she forgot most of the things at the lounge, flew without everything, and (gasps) arrived in Frankfurt, who were super cold, without nothing uh, she mean, was still laughing i mean it was oh my god i mean i don't know she was a movie man she was a movie by herself i thought there was like
1: some geez. camera somewhere. and also i mean you think about the security issue as well if you've left a bunch of stuff in an airport somewhere that's going to cause some problems
0: and she obviously didn't give a damn about all this because there was at some point one crew, one staff of the lounge that came that says, yeah, your flight is about in 10 minutes. She says, yeah, yeah. And then she goes on to serve herself another drink and goes for a cigarette. You're like, whatever. Give me a break. <laughs> anyway, she kept mentioning that she was on Snapchat. And I was about to say, I need to just to add you on Snapchat because I want to follow yeah, your yeah. stories all over the world. <laughs> oh,
1: my God.
0: Wow. Wow. Oh. Well, oh, well, uh, what I didn't know, and I should have, Frankfurt is building a, a third terminal. Uh, I learned that oh, when I was didn't there. Know that because, yeah, yeah. That will expand the capacity of the airport by 15 to 25 million people. So that, you know, wow. And they will be part Schengen, part non-Schengen that will open in 2023. But they are opening a first bit a bit earlier, twenty, I think 2021, which will be for low cost. So there will be a new airport and a new passenger mover. There's already one, but it's not going to be an extension of that. There's going to be a second one. So it might be more tunnels you have to run through. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to the Asiana 380. I had flown Asiana 380, but in first class from Incheon to New York. That was what, two years ago now. The business class was pretty nice. You know, it's the seat, uh, it's almost the underdog of business seats. It's what Iberia has what Etihad has on its non studio seats. There's a few other airlines. Garuda has it as well. It's a seat that is not impressive by its looks. It's very, you know, um, nondescript, but I like it because you know what? It's actually very large. It actually has a lot of, uh, space. It doesn't have a lot of storage. That's the only issue, but it it, it is a really nice seat. It's, you know what? A lot of the airlines nowadays seem to be going for seats that are impressive, you know, with a lot of gadgets. This one is simple, I guess, yeah. but it is actually really well. The only issue is if you're on the you know the ale side, you're very open. There's no privacy. But as I had one on the window side, it was really private and I really liked it. And because it was a 380 and we were on the upper deck, that storage thing I just mentioned wasn't an issue because of course you have this thing on the side. Which are which I, quite, I quite like those. They are really good,
1: right? You have way more. You have way more opportunity to put a bunch of things in there that you would have perhaps have had to shove in a bag that would go in the overhead bin, and you would. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like those. I think they're a nice. They used to have them. Well, they still do have them on some airlines on the upper deck of the seven forty seven as yeah. well. Which uh, uh, yeah,
0: I think it's a nice touch. Actually, yeah, have you have you heard that uh, we now know the schedule of retirement of British Airways seven forty seven? No, uh, I, d- I didn't see this. I think lasts to be retired twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, or something like that. So it's That's not, not long. That long. No, it's not long. They are starting to retire. The ones that are not going to refurbish, the ones that were refurbished will be retired last, obviously. Though the first one to be retired is a 28-year-old 747, which, you know, when you think about it, it's due
1: time. Yeah, that's an old airplane that has uh, yeah. done its done its work and probably been
0: with BA for its entire career. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, probably, exactly. Which is extraordinary. Uh, so, so back to Asiana. Have you ever flown Asiana yourself? No, I, I haven't. So Asiana, you know, it's, uh, I really like them, you know, it's it's Asian companies, so of course, usually, you know, the, the quality of service is very high, and it was, the quality of the food is very high, Edit it was, everything is very high, but there's something a bit regimented in oh, their tone of voice, I mean, it seems that they're very process-based, as in, look, you Alex are sitting on your seat, the service is about to start, but you're not aware of that, you go to the bathroom... When you come back, and if your seat has already been passed by, let's say you're sitting on row three and now row four, you come back, you sit, they will not come back to you on row three. They will go to the end of the business class cabin and then only come back to you. It seems that they have a very process-based way of yeah. doing things, and that repeats itself on everything. When they're serving, for instance, the entree, they don't seem to be taking a look at the fact that your glass might be empty. They're going to first deliver the food to everyone, then might be doing a run for, for you know what I mean? It That's seems really bit, interesting. It seems a bit regimented. I'm not saying it's bad, again, the quality of service is. but when you compare that with some of the airlines that are have a tone of voice that is more friendly in terms of how they address you, but also in how they behave, it felt a bit regimented. I already felt that when I was flying first class with them, it's interesting. Maybe it's cultural, but it's very interesting that I and I noted this, right? I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait for my turn. If you want, isn't
1: it? I think I think that's the key to a great passenger experience and the soft product is understanding a process that is really efficient and allows you to deliver food and drink in a timely manner, but also training staff to find those exceptions to the process and address them as well.
0: Yeah. For instance, it felt that everybody had, like, let's say, two servings of the, let's say, the wine, and that was it. They were like, I was like, can I have a little bit more? You know, it felt I had to ask, and they were like, oh, okay, and it felt it was not part of what they were doing. I mean, I don't know. It's not that, I you know, I never get wasted in flights. I'm not going to take for my sixth glass or something. But it felt a bit like, like that. They also came, and I know that's a pet peeve of yours, they also came to pick up the the menus after dinner. Like, uh, just they wanted to, to have them all, which, you know, I get. And at the same time, you're like, when you pay that amount of money, can you just not leave us the menu? I,
1: yeah, I, I understand that it's environmentally friendly and cost yeah. conscious. Yeah. So, uh, But it is disappointing because I do like them. I mean, I don't collect a bunch of stuff but I do like to keep the menus from especially if it's on an unusual airline or an unusual route. I like to keep yeah. them and they probably cost 10 cents to manufacture and I'm not I'm not chucking them. I'm keeping them.
0: So uh, that is a bit frustrating. Everything else, yeah. keep, you know? Yeah. For the rest, I mean, the IFE is is okay. I say okay, not great because it lacks a bit of content. I really hate those airlines. We you know, they have like TV shows. They have only one episode per TV show. Like why? Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, do not read that, guys, into disappointment. I'm just saying it felt sometimes that they were not going the extra mile in the experience overall. But again, I had a fantastic flight. It was really nice, I slept super well. You know, I actually, when I woke up, there was a note, some kind of post-it on my screen because I had missed breakfast. And they were asking if I I should just press the button if I wanted to be served an express breakfast. So there's how oh, nice. that works. No, it works. You know, I, I, again, do not see it as negative. The amenity limited, but you know you have socks and a great eye mask actually, which I appreciate. And what is notable is that their pillow and duvet uh, is because they have both is is really nice. So no, it's 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 a it's a nice airline. I would fly them again, especially because I'm on Star Alliance. Then I arrived at Incheon and I had to do transfer security and something that already had happened at Heathrow, but I wasn't sure that it was the case. Now, by that, I was. Frankie, whom you met when you came to Japan with me the first time in 2016, had offered me a year ago a T-shirt of Star Wars with Darth Vader on it. And I had that, you know, because I liked it. And actually that t-shirt would trigger security every single time I passed by it. I had nothing on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that because it's Darth Vader? It's weird. It, it would ring every time. It was really funny. So actually that t-shirt and I told Frankie he, he laughed had, I don't know what it is that he had inside, but clearly it had to trigger the thing because you know, you see sometimes when you go to these newer machines, when you put your hands up, they have a screen which tells them where they should look for potential stuff yeah and clearly the potential stuff was on my chest with darth vader was <laughs> That's so weird. i wonder if it's like the material that the
1: design is printed on with or something
0: yeah i don't know but anyway I'll, i know that i'm not going to wear that t-shirt again at airports i mean yeah. okay it was fun i mean it's not a big deal it's just that it was no wow difficult. The lounge at uh, at Incheon from Asiena is very nice. It it has this quirk. They have these um, beer mugs. They're made out of plastic, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's fine. And... There's a hole in the bottom. And oh, like they do in the, the U.S. sports stadiums. Uh, and a few here, too. Here? i never seen that in the Yeah, UK Wembley actually. and uh, the new Tottenham Stadium has them. Yep. From oh, happens. wow. But these ones are still plastic, but they actually look like a proper mug. Oh, you know, cool. The handle and everything. And you just, you know, you push them down on the machine and the beer comes up. It's very interesting. It's supposed I, to I... reduce the, or produce a better head. Oh. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yep. Well, those Japanese machines are not bad either. You know, the ones that I swivel. Yes. They, <laughs> those are so cool. <laughs> and when I was, uh, I think I mentioned him in the last episode, Charlie Gibson, uh, 1976 on Instagram, when I was sitting in the lounge, he had sent me a message on Instagram and said me, hey, all during your flight in Asiana, you were tagged by a 747 next to each other for the whole duration from Frankfurt. Uh, oh, I um, see. Frankfurt. And that seven four seven was sitting in front of me in the lounge. It was like, "Hey, Charlie, this is just too much coincidence. Point. It's just right there." Anyway, thank you, Charlie, for always doing this kind of stuff for me. Zani Zanengi, who actually gave us a nice review in the last episode, uh, says about that Asiana lounge that it's not bad at all. Nothing remarkable, but just quiet and efficient. And sometimes that's all you're looking for. And I think he's right. It's exactly that. It was uh, a nice lounge to to stay in. I had to stay for five hours. So I was kind of happy uh, to have one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And then and then and then and then Ethiopian. So first of all, it's really cool to have these fifth freedom routes that give you Ethiopian from Incheon to Narita when you think about that. <laughs> yeah, I love those little routes that pop up from time to time. Ever flown them? Nope. So first of all, they do a service probably from Addis to Incheon and then the you know they have the ability to onboard extra passengers to continue. <laughs> The cabin was not full, which was great. It was in business class. It was, you know, it was almost empty. So it was fantastic. I'll come to that in a minute. But you know what? It's one of these experiences within 30 seconds of entering the aircraft, I fell in love with the airline. Really? Like, I don't know what it was. You know, there's a lot of things when you describe them factually that don't make it an airline up to the big airlines we always talk about, but there's something in the atmosphere, in the tone of voice that makes it absolutely fantastic. The smiles, man, the smiles. I felt welcome in an aircraft as I had never felt welcome in probably wow. you know 10 years or something. Is there like one experience that you remember has being felt so welcome when you enter an airline recently?
1: I don't think so. Um, not for a long time. I tell you what. Maybe when I flew first in Cathay. But this is easy for them because it's such a small, small, such a small cabin, and it's just it's built into who they are. But no, I, I can't can't think of
0: one. Yeah, because here again, you know, the seat. So it's a Dreamliner. The seat is two two two. It's one of these seats that some Chinese airlines still have? Probably Air France and KLM used to have. KLM maybe still has it on some aircrafts. So it's nothing special, you know. You're in business class. You have a person next to you. In that case, I had no one because again the cabin was not full. The decor is, you know, pretty white. So there's, I mean, in terms of what you see, there's nothing that you are like. Oh wow, look at this so different. You know, when you enter like a a Dreamliner for Qatar, the color, yeah. and everything is, feels like there's nothing like that. But the crew makes everything. They were so smiling, welcoming laughing with me it's it's as as if i was talking to friends i mean it's pretty epic i mean it's really 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 epic it's so engaging and i was like okay wow i'm completely completely in love with that the the safety video for instance is super fun the safety video you you can feel that you know they of course they probably don't have as much means as an emirates and etc so it's a video that you and me could have filmed ourselves it's handheld camera and when for instance they talk about the oxygen mask you see a little girl putting the oxygen mask on her bunny uh, <laughs> or when they're talking about where are the emergency exits you see like say you you take a pair of binoculars looking in the aircraft for the emergency exits or when they talk about the vests and how you're supposed to have the vest they basically <laughs> It's filmed. All the people in the, the, the video are clearly crew from the airline. Somebody has a vest and jumps in a swimming pool. Literally. <laughs> but you know what? It's a it lot works. of character. Exactly. It works. I loved it. And it kept me actually engaged for the whole thing, actually. It was really, 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 really nice. The food, man. The food was absolutely uh, I was, was- going to ask you about
1: that because I'm really interested to know if it's... What is it? Is it is it sort of Ethiopian
0: food or was it more Asian because of the route that you were you were going? So they had first Ethiopian wine, which of course when I saw that on the menu was like, "Of course I'm going to try that." Wow. And it oh. was really really good. I was like, "Okay, now I know and now I need to try that again actually." Wow. <laughs> it was very surprising. And yes, the food had like Ethiopian flavors. Yes. What I really Again, compare that to what I just said about Ajina, and I'm not here again to dis but I mm. said you know it was very regimented and process based. You receive your tray, and everything is massive on it. They like mm. they give you like ketchup that feels like you could have it for three weeks. They give you mayo, they give you Tabasco, they give you everything, all the all the flavoring, you know, all the little spices and stuff on the side, but not you know the tiny you know pouches for instance but like almost like an entire bottle for each and every passenger they are like very generous in the amount of food that they are giving to everyone it's and the wine like i said or the water it was again compare that to what i just had i couldn't even have my glass half drunk that again somebody would have pulled in
1: that's was the that attentiveness, atten- isn't it, that we were exactly. talking about? Attent- exactly. that, was the, that was the word I was looking for when you were talking about
0: Aegean and that attentiveness. Yeah, they do pay attention. They really do pay attention. What was very uh, fascinating in terms of, I don't know if it's crew management and how they do it, they were, okay, they were like, you know, maybe too many crews for the number of people that we were in the flight, probably because... A lot of people had disembarked in Cheon mm-hmm. and the flight was going with less people. But <laughs> what is interesting is that it seemed that every single time somebody came, so first a person to give me the trade and someone to serve me the wine – Every single time was a different person. They all paid attention. It was not one that was dedicated to me. That's they were all paying attention. And all of them, huge smiles. How are you? Chit chat. I was like, oh my god, this is so friendly. I wow. I, I adored it, man. I I mean, they they're known to be, you know, probably now one of the, if not the best, or the most progressive airline in Africa, everybody's... They have have a
1: a very good reputation. I can vouch for them,
0: you know. And and again, if you talk about just, you know, the seat itself, the IFE, which was okay. I didn't, you know, the, the flight is only an hour and 40 minutes. It was not that long to try everything, but... No, it's not up to, obviously, you know, the Cathay, the Emirates, uh, etc. But, you know, the crew, their attentiveness and their engagement and their smiles, mm-hmm. especially their smiles, makes for everything. I mean, wow. honestly. Wow, that, that's yeah. a glowing review if I've ever heard one. Yeah, uh, And yeah, and you asked me what I had, a oh, fried chicken. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely fantastic. Nice. It was, again, you know, it was simple. Like, again, it was not like... Probably, you know, over the top complicated food, but my god, it was good. Yeah, yeah. my god, it was good. It was, you know, really, really (laughs) wow. (laughs) Oh, and yeah, to to finish off this, like you finish off food with coffee, Mm, of course, Ethiopian 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 coffee. coffee Oh, my goodness, that was specially brewed and that was absolutely delicious. Probably the best coffee I had ever in flight. Wow, little things, little touches that make it up for. The fact that if you look at the pure hard product, yeah. okay, it's so a Dreamliner, which is great, but the rest, you say, yeah, well, it's in the average, you know, nothing. But I would fly them again, and I want to fly them to Africa, actually. Now, wow, wow, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> guys, if you have ever flown Ethiopian. Tell us, maybe, am I over the moon too much about them? Uh, probably, maybe, I don't know. But, oh, yeah, there was even, you know that? There was clearly a pilot that was, because probably, you know, they have to do, like, load balancings of the crews and the pilots. It was mm-hmm. a pilot that was in the business class, they are sitting. He came to talk to me, and he was still in his pilot attire, so probably he was the one who flew the aircraft to Incheon, and then he was, like, off duty. <laughs> it was such cool the guy probably was younger than me it was so cool to talk to him the love he had for the airline for his own company was it was amazing i, I mean i don't know man it was fantastic it's refreshing uh, this is yeah it's it's kind of a fairy tale
1: really isn't it ethiopian airlines because you and i are old enough to remember the yeah. hardship that that country went through in especially oh, yeah. in the 80s and now, you know, it's a, it's a sta- reasonably stable democracy. It's a thriving country in Africa. As you say, it's one of the, you know, a massive success story in Africa. The airline is outstanding. But what makes me so happy about this is they're not the only one.
0: The, the one, that, sorry to interrupt you, Alex. The one that I keep hearing about is Rwanda yeah, Airline. I was just going to say that.
1: And the reason I got thinking about it was there's on the attache when I log on to YouTube it's on attache and of course they get recommended all of these travel sites and the one that yeah. keeps coming up is i think it's the economist or ft or somebody saying rwanda is the next hot thing and then of course arsenal are are sponsored by rwandair visit rwanda and visit rwanda, i watched though, yeah. the i watched the manchester united fa cup uh, game against arsenal i saw that and so i had a little quick google on it and not only is the Is the campaign for visiting Rwanda so so interesting and so good? But the airline, I've heard nothing but good things about. And they fly to Gatwick.
0: Yeah, I was uh, looking last year as an alternative to going to the Maldives, I was looking at going to Rwanda to see the the gorillas, mm. And I looked at Rwanda Air, and the prices are super competitive, and they have very new aircraft, and the product looks really cool, and the reviews are all glowing. So, yeah, I will fly them eventually, for sure. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> and I really hope that other African airlines... I mean, again, guys, we know this is a continent where... We don't talk about a lot simply because we don't know it and we don't fly there, so it's not because we don't want to. Uh, we, Of course, Alex has done South Africa, but as pretty... Have you ever flown South African Airways? Yes. And? Uh...
1: No, they've gone through so many incarnations, it's hard to compare. But I know, you know who we should get? Cobus, if you're listening. Cobus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cobus travels intra-South Africa more than anybody I know. And he actually sent me some recommendations. Tell us your thoughts on South African Cobus and anybody else that flies regularly. And if they're not great, some intra and in and out of South Africa would be recommendations would be very interesting to hear.
0: Yes. So, I land at Narita. I know, guys, people prefer Haneda. I still like Narita. I still find that it's uh, very good to go now that they have fast links to the city. And it's actually now less busy because Haneda has taken a lot of international flights, which means that immigration is super quick compared to Haneda, which can be... And I hope that they change that for the the Rugby World Cup this year and the Olympics next year, but Hadeda can be really long. That was super quick. One of the things that the, I didn't realize that they have expanded, we mentioned that at the low-cost terminal of Narita, Terminal 3, they had used this uh, signage on the ground as if it's uh, track and field, so running tracks, yes. to tell you where to go. It's now also in the other terminals. So as soon as I landed, I exited from the, the door, the gate, and there were these directional carpets, if I, if I may call them like that, and to lead us to immigration. It was, it's really well done. It's very simple visual cue, and you don't have to think, and you just walk, and you arrive in front of immigration. Very well done. That
1: is clever. I've always wondered how effective those are. They must clearly be, because one's natural instinct when looking for directions yeah. is to look up and look, yes. for, look for signs. But they've done it at uh, Paddington Station here. There's all of those those paths on the floor to take you not just within the station to the Heathrow Express and to uh, ticket offices, but also to local uh, know, attractions isn't the
0: right word, but things like the passport office. So it clearly works. It clearly works. In a world when everybody is looking down on their phones, maybe it actually works yeah, better. True. Good point. <laughs> so, And you know what? From exiting the plane to the curb, It took me, and I'm not kidding. I didn't have any check luggage, right? It took me seven and a half minutes. I'm not kidding. For Narita, seven and a half minutes. Never happened to me before. I mean, I I told you guys it's faster now because less immigration. That day I was probably lucky from the timing and everything else, but seven and a half minutes for an international airport? That's amazing. It's extraordinary. That's extraordinary, exactly uh it's also the 40th year of narita actually i didn't know that they were like signs all the place and you know celebrations and but at least it was i don't know if it's 2018 or 2019 now because i'm talking about being there in 2018 obviously yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so happy birthday narita for all the again guys if you want to hear uh, about the story of narita episode 50 is the one you should go to so i'm back at narita when i was leaving i'm not going to talk about my stay in japan obviously it was a fantastic all the friends i saw so. some photos yeah i'm <laughs> yeah. very jealous <laughs> I saw. I stayed at a new hotel called Tokyo Stream. So, as I keep saying to everybody I meet, for me the real, the new center of of Tokyo is Shibuya. It's a new tower. That's where Google is going to relocate in that tower. Actually, next to Shibuya Station, they have a hotel. It had just been opened three weeks before I was there. Man, you know what, it's so practical because, again, for the Narita Express, I come out of the Narita Express, it takes me two minutes, and i in the hotel, which is pretty fantastic. That's so, perfect. Yeah, I'm going to use that again. Anyway, so I'm back to Narita, and yes, clearly, there's no more whiskey ever, because I tried to find any type of whiskeys, there's like, everything is sold out, man, yeah. it's just crazy. There was one bottle. It was seven thousand dollars. What? I don't remember. I have the picture on my phone. I forgot to look it up for this show, but it was, that was it. <laughs> oh. and, and you know the, the horrible thing is that because the duty free has the agreement with Santori, they don't have any of the other Japanese whiskies. So if you want to Donica, for instance, since there's no agreement between I guess a distillery and a duty free operator. They basically have no Japanese whiskey in the duty freeze in Japanese airports, which is really sad. I, yeah, I've noticed that on on every flight, every trip I've done to Japan, there's none at all. Yeah, because I guess they have like this long-running contract. And the thing is, since there's no stock, well, they just display the bottles and say out of stock, and that's it. Yes, dire. And
1: you would you? I always I made that mistake twice on my first two trips to Japan of assuming that I would that would be the natural and obvious place to get good Japanese whiskey at a good at a good price, and it's.
0: It's not. So, like I said, Paris, Charles de Gaulle.
1: (laughs) That's the place to do it.
0: (laughs) One redeeming quality for Charles de Gaulle. exactly. I might be there actually tomorrow, man. Uh, I haven't bought my ticket, but I might have to do a last-minute trip to Paris. And uh, right now, the the flights are less expensive than the Eurostar. So, we'll see. We'll talk about that in the next episode. But I guess the next episode will be a lot about Mexico, Uh, (laughs) obviously. So, uh, Giala. Um, I was flying Jal to come back. The check-in service, superb. I've never flown Jal from Haneda, so I cannot compare. But everything was great. The one thing that I really loved is we talked about it every time we talk about Haneda, these weird rules to access fast track, which airline you fly in, which card you have, which class of service you have. And it's, they refuse you half of the time, even though you were supposed to be able to go there. No such thing at Narita. Haneda drives me crazy
1: for that because <laughs> every time I feel like, surely I'm allowed to go in this time. No. the only The only thing is, it's a Japanese airport. It's pretty efficient. I've never really had to wait that long. And the last time I was there with my kids escorted us to the very very uh i guess it's oh, yeah. the west it's end of the terminal or east end of the terminal and yeah of course there there was their family queue and they carried out that's just japan
0: it's asia especially in japan going to normal lane is never an issue i was just saying that i i saw it and I said oh let me try and there was no sign whatever it was easy person was talking in English. I mean, it was really... So the, you, was like, oh, there, wow. there weren't
1: these... I wonder, okay, so what is it about Haneda that is, you know, re- requires this, you know, if-then statement, you know?
0: I mean, probably now there's way more people flying from Haneda, including a lot of people that are, have like some type of card or whatever. <laughs> it creates a lot of certainty, and they wanted to, I don't, I, to... To be honest, I don't know. Maybe it's going to get be better because it's just that the rules don't seem to always make sense. At least... I give that to Narita. It, it was just easy in. And again, I would have gone to the normal lane. It's also very efficient. It was just like, let's see if it works. <laughs> let's see yeah, if yeah. I can go. And as soon as I pass, of course, there's this immigration. And just in front of immigration, once you've passed it, there's the Sakura Lounge, the first-class lounge of uh, Japan Airlines. And wow, it's really, really nice. Uh, it's not the pier, but it's really, really nice. It's not that big. The one thing that stands out, because I saw it as soon as I entered in, There's a shoe shining service, but when I say shoe shining service, you know, you do not sit on a chair and somebody shines your shoe. It's actually you go to a counter, a desk, you give your leather shoes, they give you slippers, and then they call you when it's done, and they have all these old-fashioned wooden equipment You know, like you would see in the movies when they actually take... And in in the open, so you can see them, you know, working on the shoes and they take lots of care. Well, I mean, you know, I had boots on me and I was like, should I try? No, but it was fantastic. Honestly, that's a a very nice touch. I I don't know if it's actually useful, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I said the lounge is not that big. So at some point, there was a PA announcement uh, that said that the lounge was getting busy. that there's a second lounge on one of the satellites. And since my gate would have been there, I said, you know what? Let's see to just to check the other lounge. And that other Sakura lounge also has a first and a non-first class um, uh, section. Actually, there's two floors there. It's better for one thing, It has all the views on the airfield. Yeah, because that first one I just mentioned has some views, but limited views. Mm. The only downside to that second one is that the food is more restricted. It's more to have probably uh, just some snacks and then leave. There's no like a full restaurant service, whereas in the first one, there's actually a full restaurant service. So there you go. If you ever have the choice, guys, views or food. Wow, that's (laughs) a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yes absolutely, absolutely absolutely oh yeah and i checked by the way for those who don't have access to emerald to one world or are not flying in first class i was not guys let's let's be completely here uh, honest i didn't fly in first class i checked the business class one it's also very nice interestingly they choose different kind of colors the colors on the business class is more lighter wood tones and the one in first class is darker wood tones. so you immediately know in which one it in terms of Brand it works really well, I think. Nice. So I entered the GEL. It's the first time in the Dreamliner of uh, GEL. Have you done that? I don't remember which No, because the only done. times I've flown
1: on GEL have been uh, long haul from London where they use the 777.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was flying to Helsinki, which is why I had the Dreamliner. I was in uh, business There's no, of course, since I mentioned first class, again, I was not guys, but there's no first class in these, in these, in these aircraft, which is why probably also the 777, because it has first class from London. Mm-hmm. You probably have to Flagship, route, yeah. Um, they have these seats uh, that are, I think they are called the apex seats. They are all forward-facing, but everybody has uh, ale access due to the fact that the ones that are at the window are slightly ahead of the ones that are on the ale. So you have a little passage for each seat. That's- uh yeah, I think a few airlines has it. I know that Ben Schlappig of One Mile at a Time says that's his favorite business class seats. Uh, Korean Air also has them. Interestingly, actually, Korean Air has them both in business and in first class, which, oh, when you think of it, interesting. Yeah. I like them. They're very nice. Uh, for a tall person, I had a bulkhead, so 1A. Uh, for a tall person like me, it's just, 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 just not, uh, long enough. But I mean, it's a great seat. You're very secluded. However, There's also a divider with the person next to you. Again, the person next to you is slightly, if you're on the window seat, is slightly behind you. So you don't directly see him or her, but you see when the divider is down, you see the screen. Uh, So it's not fully private. Of course, Mm. as soon as the the plane takes off, the the divider goes up. There's no this awkwardness that British Airways has when you actually see the face. You just see a screen. And probably if you're in the ale part, you'll see the front of my legs and my screen as long as the divider is down. So, well, it's not perfectly private, but honestly, it's really nice. It creates a very... strange kind of dance with the crew because the crew has to kind of shift reach. towards a little yeah. passage to reach to me but they have a little that's where the seat maker was smart there's a little table in front of the seat of that other passenger where they can put the tray before giving it to me or they don't have to hold the whole thing through you they cannot drop stuff come to you take back and give it to you so it's it's not too bad so talking about the crew do you remember what what were your thoughts about JAL's crew when you flew them? I thought they were excellent.
1: I thought they were really sweet, and given that we were in like basically the no, not, we were literally in the last row of economy, uh, I was I was really impressed with them. They uh, were. This is going to sound an, like an awful word. They were <laughs> they were cute in that in that sort of cartoony way, and not. Uh, it, you know not in a attractive way cuz you know it's not not neither here nor there they were just smiley always giggly sometimes attentive talked in a whisper uh, i they were really i think they knew that we had a relationship with jao so we got a little bit of extra attention
0: but I, I just it was heartwarming it's funny you say that because it's a bit what i felt you know i find ana to compare with the other major uh, japanese airline Excellent and pretty cool tone of voice. I had. I told you guys in the last episode. Best memories last year was a in from Bangkok and and back to watching the World Cup. And I had great interaction with with the staff. The staff at JAL. It was my first time since ten years in my first really? international flight. Was really, really. And again, I don't. Know, I don't know. Using the word cute is maybe not the per- perfect. But it was. They were really smiling engaging almost sometimes they were japanese and non-japanese i don't know how to explain that it was really nice i really liked it there was a sense of confidence maybe because they're the oldest japanese airline the ex or still national career there was something that worked really well and they were super cool with me of course we had a lot of fun about them trying to pronounce my last name and then i said a few words in japanese so they were so happy and I don't know. There was something that really worked for me. They were really kind of all way through. Really, I don't know, almost... Because, you know, Japanese crew are not known especially to start making jokes with you, for instance, right? They did that. So, did they feel comfortable? Especially one, but probably, you know, that one that was doing that, she probably she was the, the head of the cabin or something and she probably had done this job for 30 years mm-hmm. and she knew exactly how to address like you know, international passengers had a great english or probably maybe she felt comfortable doing it but i loved it yeah it, it really brings it. the
1: whole thing to life and and moves in the opposite direction of what you were talking about earlier on uh on asiano with a sort of slightly robotic very good but slightly robotic and soulless uh feel
0: to the service the food was obviously great, which makes me, because you just said that about the Ziena, it's really funny because I chose the Japanese option, fantastic. When I had chosen the Korean option, the Sienna, I remember the crew, she was so surprised that I would choose a Korean option. She actually couldn't help herself by saying, oh my God. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. And I was like, is she happy that I'm choosing her national dish? Or is it because she's afraid I will not know how to eat that national dish because you have to mix all the stuff together and uh but anyway, it was just interesting to see the the comparison. The seat itself is really nice. I have one thing that I really adore that is a pet peeve of mine. Probably because maybe I'm tall. You know the the headrest? Yeah. When you... Sometimes you start putting your seat slightly down. Usually, I, I don't know. Sometimes I take the pillow and I put it under my head because I want my head to be slightly more uh, horizontal. Some you can actually, you know, kind of push it with your hand. This one had a button and it would just go a little bit forward and it was perfect. Really? Wow. I know it's silly, but, you know, when you want to watch the movie, the screen is in front of you. If your head is completely... Backwards, you cannot. So you either either put some pillow or something to kind of compensate for the, the seat. And some seats, you know, like you have to try Wrestle to with take it, this yeah. headrest and mess up with it. And, like
1: and it. It, like, they're so stiff yeah. that they are, like, and by the time you've applied enough force to get it to move, it just goes all the way down to the other end. <laughs> exactly, Trying to get yeah. them in the middle is an impossibility. No, I, I, yeah, those things drive me nuts. So
0: this one has a button, so smart that I, I, I really, really liked it. And the plushest, napkin ever for the food. I don't know why. It was just... It felt like it was, it was a duvet or something. It was so nice. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, they give you these bottles, water bottle for the, once you, the service is done and for the remainder of the flight, they give you a bottle. And usually they are uh, small bottles of Evian or something. Here, the bottle was, I'm not kidding, not 250 millimeters, not 330 millimeters, which is the usual, but 600 millimeters. Wow, that's like, like freaking uh, huge. Wow. <laughs> I, I like that actually. Uh, yeah, less waste. Because usually I request especially if you know it's a 12-hour flight, I would request a second one. Absolutely. So, no. <laughs> it was uh, it was nice. Uh we should actually invite one of these days, I think your friend Dan Rubin, the photographer because I want to know what he thinks about taking pictures from the window of a dreamliner because it's really hard. The dreamliner are these hues, and because of these, you know, the electronic type of, you know, dimming it creates great use if you want to take fantastic pictures like mauve and whatever. Mm. But it's really hard to take clear, clear pictures. Yeah. So maybe he has some tips to That'd give us. Maybe some of you guys, you, you, you know about it. Uh, I arrive at Helsinki. And that's... Uh, Helsinki is seeing some kind of uh, refurbishment is these it? days. A little bit. And the funny thing is what that entails in that you don't have a bridge. You have stairs. Yes. Yes, Helsinki stairs December. It's minus five, minus ten degrees, and even though it's coming from Japan when it was December, so it's not the summer. I mean, I was not prepared for that at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've, I, last time I went to Helsinki on a on a three fifty with
0: Finnair, we had uh, stairs, stairs. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't know. Is it from London? From London, yeah. Is it non Schengen? It's bizarre. I- I don't... Because Finnair flies to all these destinations in Asia. They want to be the new Dubai for Asia. So stairs seem... I mean, again, it's not a huge issue. The airport is not that big. So you put in a bus and then the bus drives and it's okay. But uh, you'd feel that an airport like Helsinki should be accommodating bridges. It's not like a... Especially... Yeah, especially on
1: Longhorn. I don't know. I I think maybe they... I ran out of
0: space. So I was uh, connecting to a BA flight. Helsinki Airport is very easy. So, oh, I, I, uh, yeah, it's a really, a really nice uh, airport to, to connect to. And I saw something, I don't know if it was there. When you went there, there was um, a robot. And I saw this robot. You cannot miss it because there's robots all over the place. And it says 5G on the side. And I was like, what is that? Is it a cleaning machine? It's it's really hard to tell. And actually, the the operator of the airport, uh, along with one of the network operator, has done this robot. that supposedly you can interact with or whatever. I'm I'm not sure. It, Clearly, mine, the one I saw, was being recharged, so I couldn't interact with it at all. (laughs) It was lacking battery. But I'm never sure of these things. Are they actually useful? Would you actually talk to a robot in an airport? Uh,
1: No, I've seen them in Japan in places like uh, um, Dotonbori in Osaka, and they feel like just a gimmick.
0: (laughs) Total gimmick. Exactly. No, absolutely. Uh, No, absolutely. So there you go. And then I I flew uh, BA back. Was great. The poor BA crew (laughs) had to leave the door open while the aircraft was being refueled. The guys were actually freezing to death. (laughs) Yeah, they've got to stand there. You know what can you do? And and that will be the last uh, the last bit they made I don't know if that ever happened to you you know they start uh, talking in English and then you know because they're in Finland you know they usually play a local track and that's you know they press play only that they press play and all of us look at each other this is not Finnish this is Dutch and they (laughs) so they leave it go for like 20 seconds people start laughing and everything suddenly like oops they're going to be oops sorry for that (laughs) (laughs) you can can keep scrambling find the right track anyway it's just a but i found it really funny that <laughs> that uh and you know you look at each other it's like you know i don't speak finn but this is not Doesn't how it sound, should no, sound. exactly <laughs> my mother was from finland but i don't speak finn I, I only know the curse words so that's not in a, <laughs> it's never going to be in a p announcement but yeah anyway it was, was really fun yeah, so that, that was it. That was really... Ethiopian was a highlight. Jal was a highlight. Asiana was also... I would fly them again because I'm star. So all of this was really, really a nice flight. But the best bit is the one I didn't mention when we were taking off from Narita. There was clear skies, views on the Mount Fuji, with uh, Tokyo on the foreground. It was the most beautiful sight and it's always the case when i fly out of japan i always have amazing sights this one was the most beautiful so i can't wait to go back just to have an even better picture next time yeah absolutely and
1: when when the light's right and when you're obviously on the right side of the airplane going in the right direction it's breathtaking absolutely breathtaking especially this time of year when it's usually very very
0: clear you know what it made me uh, (laughs) because at that point where we're taking off i was not not pissed off is an exaggeration because I like to exaggerate but I was like there's no air vents of so the Dreamliner is right, the, right, right. of Gile. And so I was like where are the air vents? and suddenly I look out and there's Fuji. Mount Fuji yeah. and I forgot about everything. I was like it's fine. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so there you go guys. Uh, that was a, a bit long but you have like the story. I will... Fly, And I encourage you guys to fly Ethiopian if you can, and Jal, and Asiana, and tell us what you think uh, about all these airlines, and Frankfurt as well. Although, again, their new tagline is, do not come to the airport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Alex Ostreicher at Value Deck. Yes. Second time in a row we mentioned it because he's been interacting with us. He was listening to our previous show. Listening to you guys and hearing about how awful some passenger can be reminded me of this. And he has a picture, probably Hong Kong Airlines, I'm not sure, in business class, when you see someone with their feet up on the bulkhead wall with no socks. He adds, this is when you're in life flight business class, but still want to be disgusting. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm guilty of sometimes putting my feet up to the bulkhead wall because I'm told but we'll never, ever without socks. Yeah, I mean, that's gross. That's not a, yeah, that's gross. Do you think, since we mentioned the lounge ones last episode, do you think there should be an etiquette for how to behave in a flight? Yeah.
1: Oh, of course. Absolutely. And I don't know if it needs to be published in the way that Cathay do their lounge stuff, but maybe it does. I don't know we all, all of our all of our manners and and common courtesy seem to go out the window more often on airplanes than anywhere else i can think of <laughs> it's
0: true actually you're right <laughs> not 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 us no, we're pretty no, well no, behaved i think reasonably i think yeah reasonably. reasonably if you ever see us misbehaving in a flight just call us out <laughs> um things we're were in asia and talking about asian airlines china eastern and malaysian airlines are segmenting even further the seats we've had premium economy they're introducing something called premium business what does that even mean i don't know what they offer more but it's first class minus i guess (laughs) i don't know but don't you think that it's the future in a way that we're seeing that more and more segmentation. You will say, uh, Alex wants to have premium economy without food because he doesn't care, and this other guy will want business class without food, but this other guy wants. I can't imagine person. that that's. Worth I don't know. The I don't, know. I don't of know. The airlines.
1: I mean, I would. I would much rather have a comfortable seat than. Uh, what well, I? I don't know. No, I, I. think. I hope not. I guess is is probably my initial reaction. It yeah, just seems I, too much of a pain in the butt.
0: I don't have. The full extent of whether it's a different seat or whether it's a different service within the same hard product. I don't know. And then I think that that's even <laughs> sillier if it is. <laughs> At least you can agree that premium economy seems to be quite popular, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think premium, like my strategy, if I ever want to get upgraded is premium economy because they're usually very small cabins, which... I've always wondered why they always seem sold out to the point where I'm very often upgraded. It just seems like, and I'm also surprised that
0: airlines don't, more airlines don't have them, have a premium economy cabin. There was an article, I think a month or two ago that says 2019 will be the year of premium economy, as in a lot of airlines that don't have it will start installing it. We know that Emirates, Emirates is into been, it.
1: Yeah, I've been talking about it for a couple of years now.
0: It's good news and bad news. Good news because I like premium economy, bad news because if you're in economy and Get upgraded, you're not getting upgraded in business class, you get upgraded only in premium Economy. True. <laughs> True. But I mean, I don't want to say bad news, I say the luck that you're being upgraded. Of course, the upgrades is rarer and rarer, but at least you would have had gotten that golden ticket to go like exactly from really meh experience to like, oh wow, here I'm a I'm a <laughs> king in front of the aircraft. Uh Southwest, we talked about Southwest uh last episode. Kelly reiterated and promised we're never going to introduce basic economy, and we're never going to introduce back fees. It's nice to know. It is nice to know. And we talked about this when we were talking about Herb Kelleher
1: in the last episode, that this has always been their differentiator is customer centricity. And it's nice to know that they're they're sticking to that when so many other airlines are exploring, US airlines especially, are exploring and implementing basic economy, which is literally just access to the seat, not even access to the overhead <laughs> bins in some instance. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why I was earlier talking about this premium business thing, is that this segmentation of fares seem to be something that some of the U.S. carriers love. You seem to have like 25 different fares for the same seat, and Just, sometimes you have food, and maybe one you have two peanuts, and the other one you have only one. But you know what? It creates a bit of, uh, I don't know, isn't that more difficult on the crew inside the aircraft because they have to differentiate between people
1: that yeah.
0: seemingly are in the same and, cabin, and also if you exactly, and
1: that that's kind of to the point that that I was trying to make earlier, and also you have instances where you're going to have two people sitting next to each other, one gets a lovely meal and the other doesn't, and perhaps you know we're not all fair and revenue management experts, so that person go, well, why why do they get food and I don't? Uh,
0: yeah, it was the case actually on uh, when I flew Sebgo, that airline boutique <laughs> the airline that I flew, the ATR that I flew. from. In the Philippines, I had gotten, to be honest, I didn't even realize it when I bought it. It was months month ago, I bought a fare that included uh, a sandwich, right? So I was giving that sandwich, but the person next to me, seated like in the same row, whatever, because there's no such thing as business class or whatever. The person next to me didn't get a sandwich, but I had started opening his trade table expecting a sandwich and the crew had to explain to him that no 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 your fare doesn't include you need to pay one. Eurowings was the same story when I was flying Eurowings to Berlin on one of the ways because I wanted to see how it worked I had added the twenty euros or whatever that is to actually get that the food included and same thing. The person next to me didn't have it and they had to explain to her I think she was a she why I would get some food in other <laughs> I, it feels yeah. like one of those things that's just an unnecessary inconvenience for the crew to have to deal with. From food to alcohol, since we were talking about this drunken uh, Brit in the lounge earlier, another drunken, but sadly, this was a pilot, <laughs> a, a Jarl pilot, actually, and I flew Jal, but uh, from Heathrow to Tokyo entered the aircraft. And was challenged by the crew, went to the lavatories to put some mouthwash to kind of hide the fact that he was completely plastered. He was 10 times, 10 times over the limit. That's Uh, unbelievable, isn't it? uh, uh, Yeah. And uh, he was sentenced to 10 months in prison. I think here in the UK, actually. Yeah. And Uh, obviously uh, he'll lose his license and that's his career done. It was a big... um, Upheaval in Japan, because they, I think even the parliament uh, asked uh, Japan Airlines to, to get uh, a grip on this. And uh, I think there was 19 cases since August 2017 where Japan Airlines pilots had failed the company's alcohol test, which is, I mean, it's it's 19 times too many. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But <laughs> But I mean, thank God, you know, again, people are, you know, the crew and other people did did actually, you know, challenge the guy, but 10 times. And that was 10 times the morning of the flight, which meant the the night before. I don't want to see. Probably there was some Suntory whiskey at uh, Heathrow that he found. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, overstocking them. And also, I mean, not to paint with broad strokes here,
1: but, you know, there have been incidents, incidents in the past where junior, quote unquote, members of the crew felt unable to question the leadership of the captain or decisions of the captain. And that's not just Japan, that's some other Southeast Asian or, or North Asian countries as well. So it's it's encouraging that that the crew felt able to intervene in, in the what is a very dangerous situation. Yeah,
0: because there were instances in the past, I'm not talking about alcohol, but there was before the introduction of crew management courses and trainings were in some cultures you didn't dare challenging a superior mm. in the case here the captain or the pilot and that led to i think korean air like a many incidents yeah. accidents um, and asia that, yeah if you're a passenger and you're too drunk and you're causing disruption we've talked about this at nauseum with alex uh, should the airlines have blacklists, etc etc well WestJet has decided to sue One of the passengers that did that, it was quite recent. I think it was from uh, Calgary to London. There was one passenger that went completely insane, batshit, because he was completely wasted. And they said, you know what? We're going to sue you for uh, $65,000, which uh, doesn't even fully cover the cost for meal vouchers, passenger compensation, total costs for some of the passengers in missed Connect flights. West just says that they don't have the full picture. They think the overall cost is 200000 Imagine one guy, $200,000, but they're going to sue him for $65,000. What do you think about that?
1: I think it's a, even if it's a symbolic gesture, it's a very strong signal as well that yeah. this won't be tolerated, and nor should it be. Where it ends up, I don't know, but it doesn't really matter, I don't think, because it's more about the we're taking this seriously and you cannot be absolved of responsibility for
0: decision-making. So I think kudos to them. Yeah, I agree. Did you not send, I don't have it in front of me in the notes. Did you not send me an article about, we don't realize how much alcohol we drink when we're flying?
1: Yes. Uh, it wasn't even an article. It was a thread on flyer talk in the BA one about what people's drinking strategies were or habits. And I I couldn't get over then not- I thought I was bad for having a couple of glasses of sh- I mean, I've, com- I've stopped <laughs> drinking, but a uh, couple of glasses of champagne and maybe a glass of wine with dinner on the plane. No, I am a <laughs> pedestrian compared to <laughs> – I couldn't get over it. And I think that there's – again, there's something about airports and airplanes that just enables this this type of, of behavior, which just
0: ends badly <laughs> well, <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. No, for everybody. Look, I, I mean, again, I, I, I've never been – in a, a flight that had to go back or rerouted because of somebody who was completely plastered, but uh, yeah, that would make me very angry. Me too. Oh my god, it would. that would make me angry too. <laughs> that would, absolutely. So I don't know whether or not the IAG board meeting is drinking a lot in flight or not, but they decided not to... Acquire or to try to acquire Norwegian. Yes, and they've sold their stake in it or are in the process yeah. of selling. But they did always say
1: from the get go that if they couldn't acquire it fully, then they yeah. would. Sold whether well they have had almost stuff. 5% yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Which is very interesting. I, I don't know if that's because they have. I think they've tried like six times now to buy it and they've been rebuffed. <laughs> whether this is them going, okay, well, let's move on or if they have now seen something that, that that makes them think that Norwegian is not going to be around for much longer, at least in its current incarnation. I, I don't know. I'm glad. I think it, they are a a worthy and necessary competitor for BA on a lot of their routes, especially to New York. So we'll see.
0: Uh, the stock of Norwegian tanked uh, after this news, obviously, but that, already like you hinted at, Already uh, some difficulties. For instance, they already had scrapped uh, lounge access for premium economy passengers, uh, Norwegian. So they are they're probably not in the best situation.
1: No, I they seem to be not on thin ice, but I think that they're they're trying to figure out how they can keep this thing afloat. They're pulling in a bunch of uh, of their routes. They're closing crew bases in five or six European cities to try and. I think, uh, well, just cut costs. So, I, I mean, I want them to su- succeed. I want them to do
0: well. In the same breath, and talking about thin ice, though I don't remember there's such thing as thin ice in Iceland, but Wow Air is even in a worse situation. They they had expended a lot of cities everywhere, whatever, and basically now they're backtracking to a very tiny, small airline because they will only have, I think... No more than four cities in the US, and that's about it. And they are also on the verge of disappearing. Yeah, and they had that disastrous merger with
1: Iceland Air that was and then wasn't after Iceland Air lifted the lid on the finances.
0: I think they will not last through 2019. That's possible. The other one that was about not to last is Flybe, which is a carrier based here in the UK. They have a lot of financial difficulties and they were bought for a very meager sum by, uh, what was it, Virgin Atlantic and some group of investors, I think. Yeah,
1: interestingly, one of them, Cyrus Capital, was one of the first and biggest investors in Virgin America as well, which really surprised me, actually. That they would uh, re-enter a relationship with the Virgin Group, but it's being challenged by one of Flybe's current biggest shareholders. So they'll have to see. Oh. We'll have to see how this actually ends up. I'm sure it'll go through. That I think that that consortium has put in a few extra uh, caveats to protect shareholders, and also employees. So we'll see. But that would
0: be good. It would be good to see Flybe continue and expand even. I think they, they had invested in an IT system uh, that proved a disaster. They lost millions. And they also had bought, what was the name, Loganair, the Scottish yes. airline. And that also was actually an operation that didn't turn out to be that great. They, yeah. they lost a lot of money. Of course, now there's Brexit that creates uncertainty. But it's a necessary and nice airline to have. It has it, it, a network that is complementary to a lot of the big ones. And it would be really sad to see them disappear. And also for us simply living here and having less competition.
1: Yeah, it it would be. And I think that they're going to mortgage some slots that Heathrow and Gatwick to try and shore up the finances. But I think they had 10 years of being not brilliantly managed. Yeah, so I, yeah, I,
0: I hope yeah. that uh, those days are over. And they were bought for about 2, 3 million pounds, which is a penance, which is absolutely nothing yeah. but then again apparently they are losing money at a rate of seven a thousand pounds an hour Germany cricket oh wow wow but you know what they had saved some of the jobs from monarch flyby and uh, you no oh, i didn't know that. that you yeah yeah they had bought some i think the some of the um engineering staff uh, from monarch so yeah Uh, EasyJet is also seeing actually some numbers that are not great. (laughs) Should we use the big R term for 2019? I don't know. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Everybody talks about a recession, even though there's not one. At some point, it will become because people then say, okay, then we'll stop investing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we talk exactly. United, on the other hand, thank God, they announced that they were like doing a great quarter. So I hope that actually kind of reignites the say, no, there's no recession coming. so. So more feedback on Twitter from underscore thomas underscore r underscore m so i'm just going to call you tom or thomas <laughs> hey guys just wanted to reach out to let you know that regional pilot salaries and that's in the u.s have gone up quite a bit over the past few years 45 to 60k for new hires source training from our commercial license and old flight instructors that worked at regional so that's to the comment we said last time right. about the- that's very interesting i didn't know that well good yeah, good news at Johnny Walker on Twitter, and your name on Twitter is in Cyrillic, so I'm not going to even attempt to <laughs> say it. I'm going to call you Johnny. As uh, reacted to our story, to my story, actually, about the ATR, the little plug hole that was supposed to yeah. put a sharp object into open. And says that regulations are very different for turboprops under a flight level to 50. The depressurization at that level is not that taxing on the body, especially on an emergency descent. And he says that, for instance, the Dash Q400 and the Fokker 50 do not have passenger masks at all. So is that the reason why it would be so hard to open them? Then Ed Parsons, our friend Ed Parsons, a long listener, says that isn't that the secondary way of opening in case they don't drop down. And it's true that if you look at like even 320s, you have this plug hole to try to open them in case they don't open as they should be. The only thing is that in my ATR, the PA announcement clearly stated that was the only way, or at least that's why I understood and I heard that twice. So I don't know, man. I still don't know, but possibly I wouldn't have needed uh, an oxygen mask at all, according to Johnny. Ed adds, and he's so so right. He says that... He always travels with, you know, the little sim eject hole thing. Yes, me too. Yeah, and then I realized that, yeah, of course, I had that in my wallet. So I had actually a sharp object to open that. (laughs) I would have forgotten about it, but I have one indeed. How funny. (laughs) In Japan, uh, ANA, the Trent, our friends at Trent, have you seen the story of that flight? Upon landing, the pilots put the reverse thrusters and the engines just stopped jeez
1: those engines are a liability <laughs> I just read that that Norwegian are replacing all of the engines on all of their dreamliners what yeah uh, th- oh wow th- I st- who's paying for that uh, well Rolls- I royce mean, yeah, it's, yeah it has to be because this this the Trent 1000 situation is just uh, uh, extraordinary it's absolutely unbelievable that it's still gone we're, 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 it's been years now it's been yeah. years. Since this is, this has gone on. And, you know, if that had happened on this ANA flight 30 seconds earlier, you'd be, you'd be the same situation as that, that BA flight at Heathrow 10 years ago, where both engines stopped on final because of, uh, ice in the fuel, one of the fuel lines. And, uh, it landed short and I don't, I don't think anybody was killed, but it was plane was a write-off and people
0: were injured. I, I it's just beyond comprehension at this stage. They say for that particular story, they say that the engineers couldn't find a fault on the engines when they checked. And it might have been a, a software glitch, which is not really reassuring because you press a button, and the engine stop. I mean, what? I don't know. And I don't even know. So, hey, here, who's at fault? Yeah, I was Probably, just going to ask who, that. Who's designed the, the thing? Is it Boeing? Is it Rolls-Royce? Is it? I have no idea, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't want to think about that when I fly my next streamliner. Yeah. And to probably one of the best uh, feedback we've gotten, we we're talking about doctors in the plane. And we quickly forgot that we have actually a doctor uh, listening to us for quite a long time, Matt Freeman. And he wrote us, he says that he answered the call for if there was a doctor on board about eight or nine times, uh, most wow. of the case on the Continental or United. And uh, how was he thanked for that? They have always sent a thoughtful and personalized letter with some miles. I think it was perhaps 20,000 miles. Not inconsequential, but not a free first-class trip around the world. And I've been given a few bottles of wine by the crew as well. Wow. So there you have it. That's very interesting. He mentions... he mentions the story of uh, there was a cardiologist who had sent a bill to American Airlines for assisting an ill passenger. And he adds, I have words I could use to describe this cardiologist, but such language is inappropriate for a podcast. Jeez. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, oh my God. Unbelievable. And to your point, Alex, about the fact that the, the, you remember you said that they had like this uh, remote sensors thing that you mentioned from Virgin Atlantic. Yes. He says some airlines have something called Air Care or Doctor Now, in which someone in flight can consult with an emergency physician on the ground. He's never had to 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 use them. And he, uh, he had some details. He says that usually... The episodes that he had to deal with were always about the same. A passenger loses consciousness while exiting the washroom. But he also had one passenger with a stroke, another one Jeez. with arterial fibrillation. Oh, wow. And and at least two with panic attacks, yeah, of course. Yeah, I and And he also treated once a flight attendant who got hit by a heavy cart during turbulence. Wow. Thought, wow. That's well, even, Matt, thank you so much. That's so fascinating. Thank you for taking the time to get in touch. The toughest part of it all is the spectacle. One wants to be quiet, dignified, and private, but... It's a plane. I especially recall having to sit on a jump seat in a, a 757 with a sick guy. The seat faces the entire economy class cabin. I was trying to treat him while a couple of hundred people watched. jeez. Oh, yeah. You yeah. never want an audience. In every instance, the flight attendants weren't just good. They were amazing. They knew that the most important skill is to underreact. They kept everything calmed, organized, and uh, admired their poise. Yeah, that's what I said as well about my B experience. The crew was amazing. So thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for providing us with yeah, such su- information. Super these. interesting. So to the airport, because Alex needs to find... What, 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 what are you feeling? Like, this afternoon? Yes. Tonight? This afternoon, to- yeah. Well, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Though I have a little thing to say about Mexico at the very end of this show when we're closing it. So first, Gimpo. So Gimpo is... An international airport. It was the international airport for a long time. Then when Incheon opened in 2001, because Incheon is not such an old airport, no. uh, it's reclaimed land, everything was transferred to Incheon, and Gippo lost its international stature, but got it back, uh, I think, in 2006. Or so, I don't remember exactly. It started doing some routes. I think the first route was Haneda, actually, the one I did. There's also routes now to Beijing, uh, Shanghai, Kansai, KIX, Taipei, obviously, as well. So some international route. It was, to talk about the dark time of the country, the airport was actually built by the Japanese forces when they were occupying the peninsula. Then it was used for during the Korean War by the United Nations, of course, the Americans, as a military base, and then it became the airport it is. So it is an airport for about 25 million people. It's not a small airport. It has two terminals. One is domestic and one is as I just said, international, though there's not a lot of international flights again. The one thing, though, that is very interesting about this airport, from this airport, there is the most crowded flight path on Earth. It is Jeju to Gimpo and Gimpo to Jeju. I think it's almost 14 million passengers yeah. a year or something. It's, it's, it's absolutely huge. Uh, the second one would be Melbourne to Sydney. And then you have Fukuoka to Haneda, Sapporo to Haneda, and then uh, Beijing to Shanghai. But the first, uh, according to Ayata uh, and other sources, OAG as well, is Jeju to, to Gimpo. It's a very short flood, actually. I think it's. 250, 280 miles? Yeah, it's really not too small. far at all. <laughs> but it is, for that, an important airport. It is also a bit out of the city, but it's less out than Incheon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, that, you know,
1: I was just going to say that. that. That was my reaction <laughs> when we I went there with my family is... Uh, Going on the train from the Incheon to to Seoul, you're like this is just never ending. And then you go past Gimpo, exactly. Go, you oh, go past Gimpo. To, let's fly out of there.
0: No, actually, you know what? And that's the horrible quirk of it is, yeah, it is closer. It's just look it on the map. It's on the way to Incheon, and it's closer. The only problem is that this, that same train you took, Alex, you have the direct one from Incheon to Seoul that takes about what was it, thirty five minutes? It took you to go to the city, forty minutes? Yeah, I at don't least. remember exactly. If you want to stop at Gimpo, you have to take the commuter, so the regional one, and that's the only one that leaves from Gimpo to Seoul, which means that actually, in terms of train time, you'll be also very, very long because it has a lot of stops before reaching the center of Seoul. So that's a bit, with a car, obviously, or a taxi, it's less. Again, depending on traffic, and traffic sometimes where that region can be heavy, mm-hmm. so it's a bit closer. But that train is also useful to know you guys, because if you want to transfer from an international flight at Incheon to a domestic flight at Gimpo, it's actually very much feasible. It takes about 30 minutes with a train, or about the same with a car, so it's actually very feasible, so don't be afraid if you have to switch airports, because it's really not a pain at all. Uh, really not a pain at all. But yeah, it's it's closer to the city. But by train is not that close. Actually. No. You have also a subway. I don't remember line nine or five that goes there. I think that's what I took when I was when I was um, going there. It was actually in February two thousand and nine. So I told you almost ten years uh, ten years ago. I only know the international terminal is pretty nice, pretty straightforward, no difficult at all. My memory of it is not the full picture, because I know that in the meantime, they've refurbished, so it must be even uh, better than it used to be. Of course, the flagship lounges will be at Incheon, but for domestic with Korean Air or Asiana, you'll find them at Terminal 1, nowadays called simply Domestic Terminal. It is a potent airport. It is not a bad airport. If I were to do a layover there, I would go to the city, because it's not too far, because there's not that many things to do at the airport. But, but, one thing, there is a massive observation deck. Nice. But, and that's the only caveat, the observation deck is neither on top of Terminal 1, neither on top of Terminal 2, is on the building, which sits in the middle. You cannot miss it. There's a building in the middle. You can simply walk to it. It's the, I don't remember the name, but basically it's the, airport operator of Korea. On top of that building, you have a massive observation deck, both indoors if it rains and outdoors. I think you need to call them before to book on the website, but probably they accept walk-ins because not a lot of people know about it. It's very easy to get to. And because of the location of that building between the two terminals, you actually have probably the best views because you can see the entire apron and both of the runways. So that's a really cool thing to to be uh, doing. And one last thing about uh, Gimpo is... When I was looking at when I flew there, I found the ticket receipt from my ANA flight from uh, Aneta to Gimpo. And I had paid for a return flight back 10 years ago, $600. And I was oh. like, exactly. And now there's a lot of low costs. And I'm like, thank God the low cost exists because I was really... It, uh, guys, we're talking economy. I was 28G or something because I see a the boarding pass. And we're not talking about something extremely plush. Very happy that a lot of uh, low cost nowadays exists because it's yeah. expensive, man. Yeah. I didn't realize that I paid that much. Wow! So you're going to Mexico. So let's finish with that. The ad of Ario Mexico.
1: Oh my goodness! This was so good. <laughs> Just basically trolling, <laughs> trolling <laughs> Americans and who have a built-in disdain and prejudice towards Mexico by getting them to take a DNA test and whatever percentage of their DNA heritage was Mexican was the discount that they would get on the flights to Mexico, on Air Mexico. <laughs> and it was so clever. It was so clever, especially in the current
0: American political climate. I, I loved it. I thought it was uh, very clever. Would you consider going to Mexico? No way! You're 22% Mexican. That's BS. You get a discount What about if I want to take my wife? (laughs) I know. It's (laughs) It's so funny. I love this ad. It's so clever. It's it's trolling, but it's so cool. Kudos to them. (laughs) Yeah, kudos to them. So you're flying uh, Aeromexico. I hope it's going to be what you expect it to be. So what do you expect it to be?
1: I don't, I have absolutely no idea. I know that they, uh, it's Dreamliners. They have a fairly large fleet of Dreamliners. The only place I ever see them is in Shanghai because they have a Shanghai tijuana route. Tijuana? Wow. Yeah, I do, I what? don't know either. I, I it's always made me giggle, but it, it exists. <laughs> um, and I I have it's a seven eight seven eight. I'm in an economy. It's a long flight. Obviously, it's twelve hours. We get in at four a.m. Go straight into to filming. So I don't know. I will report back because I have absolutely no expectations. You were telling me that the, 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 the price you're asking for upgrade is outrageous. Yeah, they have they use this plus grade system, which a lot oh, of yeah, airlines yeah. use for you to bid on an upgrade. And I've never actually... Have I ever, I don't think I ever have it, not with any success anyway. But the minimum price that one can bid for an upgrade was a £1,000 each way. My God, that's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money and... You know, I don't know how, if the product is that good. So, of course, I've said no. I am going to try my luck at the airport and see if there's any opportunities there. But uh, they don't have a premium economy, though. They do then, not. Right? No. Nope.
0: Okay. At least you have a, were you able to snag a good seat?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I think what so. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be good. It doesn't look like there's oh. anybody sitting in between us. It looks like when I last checked on Expert Flyer, the flight looked pretty empty. Oh, so, good. we'll see. We'll see what it, what it
0: turns out to, to be like in the end that's good yeah expert flight is a tool i keep using i i Me too. when i was doing when i was doing these um asian flight i mentioned but also the one i'm flying because i'm leaving as you guys know to san francisco via dubai hong kong <laughs> and then back to dubai actually when this is going to be released i'll be as i told you guys in san francisco i have one of the flights with Cathay. i think it's the san francisco hong kong i don't have a window seat because there's none yet, so I keep putting the alerts. Those alerts are so useful. Yeah, I mean, and that's how you know sometimes, like you said, that uh, some aircraft seem to be empty. Though that's not always, because sometimes it just means that they're empty, and then suddenly, like, the last day, everything fills up, like, super quickly. Yeah. But at least, yeah, it's a great tool. I keep recommending to even non-AV geek friends that it's a great tool to pay for if you fly a lot, because you can really snag nice, uh, nicely. That's how, again, on... Asiana, I didn't have a window seat. The alert went, oh, there's a window seat. I went there a minute later, and indeed, there it was. I had it. It was great. Yeah. Absolutely great. It's a great tool, and it's cheap. So, Alex, safe travels to you. Thank I hope you. Uh, you're going to eat yourself stupid. That's the word you used about uh, when we talked about it two episodes ago. So, yeah. Eat yourself stupid, gain a lot of weight, and see you whenever you come back. Yes, and thank you, and enjoy California. Thank you. Safe travel, guys. Have a travels, guys.